This episode is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash covered credits for a 30-day free trial and free book download. Uh, audiobooks are a great way to listen to books if you're busy, if you're always like on the go, or if you kind of don't like reading. And <laughs> an audiobook is a way to trick yourself into reading more. Yes. Do you ever wish your books were more like podcasts? <laughs> Try audiobooks. <laughs> it is great, though. It is. Um, you know, it, it's... I don't know. It kind of all you're you're acting like, oh, this isn't really like reading, but it, it is. is like scientifically like it's doing the same thing in your brain. Yeah. Your brain is like exercising just as much. So don't let people tell you that it's not reading if yeah. you're listening to books. And don't let it you is. tell yourself because I yeah. know sometimes I feel that way. Like uh, I'm not really actually like doing work. No, you are. People think reading is work, but it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And Audible can help with that. It can. I actually uh, listened to part of this uh, part of. Never Let Me Go mm-hmm. uh, on the audiobook version, which was read by Rosalind Landor, mm-hmm. who did a really good job. She has... Uh, She's a cool British accent. She does, because mm-hmm. you kind of forget sometimes this book does take place in the UK. Mm-hmm. So her lovely British accent is just a constant reminder of the setting. Yeah. And yeah, so she did a really great job, and I enjoyed listening to part of the story read by her. So if you're a fan of this book or any other book, that you want to listen to, mm-hmm. go to audibletrial.com slash cover to credits and you can get a free audiobook download and listen to it. Woo! Woo! Hello and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Never Let Me Go. Never Let Me Go was written by Kazuo Ishiguro and published in 2005. And the film adaptation came out in 2010 and was directed by Mark Romanek. Nice. Yeah. And this was a request from one of our listeners. Yes. Not only one of our listeners, but one of our patrons. One of our lovely, wonderful patrons. Michelle, Michelle Smith. Michelle Smith. Uh, thank you so much for being a patron. As always, we love getting recommendations from everyone, patron or not. Yes. But patrons do get priority. Priority. <laughs> priority shipping. They're basically <laughs> like on the Amazon Prime yeah. of cover to credits. Exactly. And who doesn't want Amazon Prime? No. Unfortunately, we all need it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's kind of a... It's... it's Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this episode was also suggested by my sister, Annette. So, oh, yeah, she was real mad. (laughs) Call out to Annette because we have done other episodes that she has suggested and we have not credited her. So, I apologize, Annette. Here we are crediting you here with Michelle. Two lovely people, two wonderful, two wonderful, lovely people people asking for this episode. And here we are. And here we are. And here we are talking about (laughs) Never Let Me Go. Yes. What a time. (laughs) So, uh, I had no idea what this book was about, and I was glad that I didn't find out anything ahead Same. of time yeah yeah and i was that kind of like part of the appeal yeah when it came out was like the air of mystery around it definitely because it's a very strange premise in terms of like it takes place in the past but it's kind of a future past yeah it's like a dystopian future but set in like the past yeah so there's kind of a strange what's going on kind of question through your mind throughout like the entire story mostly yeah so, but on the other hand, it's very also um, kind of normal and mundane in a lot of ways. Yeah, more like a realistic fiction, kind of like a literary story, mm-hmm. exploring themes of like 
humanity, friendship, connections, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the story is told from a first-person perspective. Uh, there's a narration in the movie, too, so kind of similar in the movie. Yeah, Kathy H., Kathy H. Yes. Mm-hmm. We start off the story in both the book and the movie where she's talking about being a carer and she's been a carer for like 12 years now and blah, blah, blah. And we have no idea what she's talking about, but it's obviously <laughs> like uh, a future version of herself. Um, and then she does reminisce back to her past. Yeah, she kind of finds herself being very reminiscent mm-hmm. in her in her present uh, thinking back to her childhood growing up in Hailsham. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell's Hailsham? And well, you're going to find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's alluding to different people in her life and kind of their connection. So it's just a lot of kind of foreshadowing and build up to uh, how things began for her yeah. in her life. Mm-hmm. And her strongest memories are of her time at Hailsham. And we find out that Hailsham is kind of like a boarding school yeah. setting. Like it's this estate kind of with this you know large mansion type place property property there's lots of fields and woods and other buildings and uh rooms that they all share like in a dormitory style and we also find out that this is the only place they know yeah basically like this is where they live Mm -hmm. and you're like, do they have parents? Do they have family? Where are they? And you kind of just slowly realize throughout that, no, this is the only place they've ever known. Yeah. Essentially. They make reference to like the infants and by infants, they mean like little kids. Mm. Like they're not actual babies. I don't think growing up there, but they are like little, little kids and being young at Hailsham and then just kind of growing up. Basically they stay there until they're like, 18? Yeah, I think that's their 18 yeah. when they move to the cottages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's reflecting on her time there and friends she's made and everything. Did you find that I thought it was a little strange, I, maybe not, I don't know, that she's reflecting on this place so fondly when it's the only place they ever knew? Yeah. I mean, I think she is comparing it to her life now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true. And I think everyone in their older life does sort of look back on their childhood fondly, you know, almost no matter where she is. But I get what you're saying. Like, it's almost like she's comparing it to all these other things. But I think she's actually comparing it to experiences that she's heard from other people. Yeah, I guess it makes sense in the present context of her being in the real world now. Yeah. And then being like, oh, yeah, that was pretty great. Mm -hmm. And she does talk about because she's a carer and she has like donors that she takes care of. And like some of them always wanting to hear about Hailsham and it being like this special place. Yeah. And so I think maybe that also reinforces in her that it was um, kind of a special, um, perfect Childhood, I guess. Yeah, no, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, you you you've convinced me. I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> I retract any hesitation I had about that. So yeah, uh, yeah. So boarding school, their teachers are called guardians, mm-hmm. and they're referred to as students, which makes sense. They take classes and stuff. Yeah, uh, it seems like a traditional boarding school. Besides yeah. the fact that they don't ever go anywhere else, they don't have family. Um, they don't have last names. It's just like Kathy H, Tommy D, etc. Um, 
And the guardians don't seem to care that much about them. <laughs> no. Like. They really don't have any like parental figures. No. For children that don't have any family, they have like very little structure. Which yeah. is odd to me. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of a strange. You're just kind of questioning like, does this make sense? Does this all work? Mm-hmm. Like, are you getting the full picture of. This environment that it always does kind of feel like there's something else to it that you're not quite seeing, which I guess makes sense if they're children because they wouldn't see the whole picture either. Yeah. So I'm not sure. One little detail that we get in the movie Mm -hmm. is they have wristbands. Yeah. That are kind of seen throughout the movie. Like when they go in and out of hallways and rooms. Yeah, but we're never... What are what do those do? I don't know. Like if they don't check in at a certain time, is there an alarm? Yeah. Or is it gonna like kill them if they go it's too gonna, far like, away? Implode. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I have no clue. Like there's just it just kind of gives the illusion that they're being tracked and yeah. kind of numbered in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but details are like in a lot of this book and story like vague. Very vague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Ruth and Tommy. Yeah. So Kathy has two friends that become like really important to her throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is Ruth who they're all in her, the same grade as her, which makes sense to me. Cause that's yeah. how like you made friends in elementary school as well. Like in your, within your grade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ruth and Kathy become friends like around eight or nine years old and then kind of stick together in the same friend group for the rest of that time. Um, Tommy is this kind of picked on outcast a little bit when we first meet him. He's prone to tantrums and rages. Yeah. And everyone's kind of aware of this. It's much more played out in the book. Yeah. We get only like a hint of it in the movie, like one scene of him kind of having a a tantrum. Yeah. And then it's resolution kind of being explained later. But there's a lot of incidents of this in the book. Yeah. And I found this part kind of interesting in the book. Because I thought it was very uh, true and relatable in a lot of ways, where uh, Kathy and her friends are always kind of witnessing this. Yeah. And Ruth is always commenting, like, uh, if he just didn't react that way, they would leave him alone. Yeah. And kind of blaming Being Tommy. Being like, Tommy's bringing it on himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's such a, a, a sad, terrible cycle for yeah. someone to be caught in mm-hmm. because they're now deeply impacted by this and it's hard to, like, change and get out of that yeah you know what i mean i think if anyone has been bullied or picked on to any extent like like i could even relate to that a little bit you know what i mean yeah and i wouldn't even say i was like really bullied in high school but there are times like that Mm -hmm. yeah and i think this whole like school yard Mm -hmm. dynamic is really interesting too because it's like oh these these other boys are like picking on tommy and tommy gets like really emotional about it takes it personally and then the girls are kind of like watching and kind of like part of it in a way and then the reason that they're kind of picking on him is because there's almost this sense that he's not very good at art yeah which is weird yeah and just those like undercurrents of like are they resenting him for something that he did or this this air that he's giving off and then later on in the book when tommy kind of like gets over it a bit Mm -hmm. like the children stop teasing him almost because they can sense something has changed within him. So it's very like 
a personal confidence type of thing. I yeah. think. And that's really interesting. Like just imagining like people playing off each other, all these hidden currents of like emotion and feeling like, yeah, so much of the story are it kind of like almost like the secret, the unspoken, the unspoken. of relationships. That's good. That's perfect. Yeah. Of, you know, things that are said, of course, but like the actual intention behind it and the undercurrents of a relationship. And, yeah. And it's, I struggle with this in this book because half the time I think it is true and interesting. Yeah. But then the other half of the time, I think it's kind of far fetched. For example, a lot of times there are, Kathy describes how there's a lot of unspoken things yeah. in the school. Like no one is ever supposed to bring up the gallery, mm-hmm. which is where their art supposedly goes to if it gets picked. Yeah. And like no one talks about it. And yeah. it's just this unspoken rule. And if someone does bring it up, they get mad at them. Yeah. I was like, does that, I can't picture that actually being true with kids. No. This like really like self-enforced. Yeah. Yeah. This very like kind of sophisticated um, system of of etiquette. Yeah. Yeah. I, some of that stuff I felt to be a little far fetched and not really relatable, especially like in terms of kids. Yeah. So but other times, um, you know, when someone kind of says something in a jabbing way and then they like didn't mean to, but they also didn't feel like they could take it back. Yeah. Or sometimes if there was a conflict with someone, they later, if they didn't address it, they couldn't really bring it back up and they felt awkward about that. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that that I felt much more relatable and interesting. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a little bit uh, unbalanced in that way for me. Some I got and other parts I didn't. Yeah, I agree. And this whole like art thing is like very important to them. It's almost yeah. like the basis of their system. Um, like they do have their education, but then they create paintings, sculptures, poetry, all this, you know, t- different types of art. And then they can trade it at exchanges mm-hmm. with each other. But the best of their work gets chosen by Madame. Yes. And it gets put into the gallery. A mysterious woman who appears every so often to select the finest of artworks. Yeah. And then take them away to the gallery that, like... We don't hear about, we don't know about it. And the teachers don't mention it, and Mm -hmm. it's like, did the kids make it up? What is this system? What's going on? Yeah. Very odd. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, the whole thing with Tommy is that he's, like, not as good at art as Mm -hmm. most other people, and so the students start kind of bullying him for, for it. And there's one guardian who seems to see what's going on. None of the other guardians like care that Tommy is being like bullied. I guess not. I don't know. But she's just, she kind of like talks to him and is basically like, Hey, like it's actually not that important to be like good at art. Like, don't let it bother you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like it's like, no matter what you're going to have the same life as everyone else. So it kind of doesn't matter. (laughs) Basically like, (laughs) Hey, just don't freaking worry about it, Tommy. Like it's fine. It's fine. And Tommy's like, Oh wow. Cool. Okay. And then from then on, he just doesn't let it bother him as much. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of changes the attitude for everyone else. And people start to leave him alone. But we find out about this because Tommy and Kathy kind of like start to meet and like discuss the mystery of the mysteries, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because Tommy's impression from Miss Lucy was that she was telling him something that 
it was surprising to him. Yeah. I, I guess it was, he was surprised that she would say something like art isn't as important as everyone makes it out to be. Cause that yeah. was almost like going against what the other guardians have been kind of impressing on them. Yeah. And so then they discussed, well, if that's true, then what's the gallery about? What is any of this about? And they kind of have these discussions. Well, and and Miss Lucy said something to him like, it's not that important even as evidence or something like that. Yeah. Evidence that you were here. Yeah. Just vague. Really weird. <laughs> Some weird shit to like lay down on like <laughs> a 10 year old kid or however old he was. Yeah. And he and Kathy like occasionally meet up and are like, yo, this weird thing happened or the guardian, like a guardian said this weird thing to me. What do you think it means? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> IDK. <laughs> that's yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, and eventually Miss Lucy just leaves one day. She kind of disappears. Yeah. And it's very kind of shocking to the kids and kind of odd. Yeah. Especially how it because much later on at their time in Hailsham, mm-hmm. she talks to Tommy again and is like, hey, remember that thing I said about art not being important? Uh, I lied. I lied. It's actually really important. Yeah. <laughs> and you should have been focusing on that much, much more. Yeah. Which kind of came out of nowhere. And then she just leaves. Yeah. But before she leaves, mm-hmm. she drops a not really a bombshell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. You mean like the reveal? <laughs> I guess. I just like. What she reveals is what I was already thinking Yeah, was what was going on. I feel like the reader is not surprised and the students aren't surprised either. Yeah, because the way Miss Lucy phrases it is like, essentially, you've been told, but I don't think you've really been made to understand. Yeah. References have been made to what your life is going to be, mm-hmm. but you haven't been flat out like someone has like laid it all out for you. Yeah, which makes sense because... They've been trapped in this one world without any knowledge or experience or understanding of like what their lives could be. Yeah. But essentially she explains to them when you grow up, you're going to start donating your vital organs until you complete. Yeah. You die. (laughs) Until you die. And the kids are like, yeah, I mean, I kind of knew that already. Yeah. But Miss Lucy seems very disturbed by it and upset kind of by it and it's kind of like you should be told more Mm -hmm. and you know we shouldn't be like keeping things from you and i don't agree with this and this ends up like she leaves soon after that yeah and you're guessing she had a disagreement with the other guardians because none of the other guardians have been as forthcoming with them um and like i said the students are not that surprised by this and you as the reader aren't either like from the very beginning they pretty much laid the groundwork for you like talking about donors, talking about um, the fact that they don't have families and then how their health is important and they'll they'll become like necessary to society. And so you're like, oh, cool. Like they're clones. They're going to like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're going to like take their livers later <laughs> for the good of mankind. Essentially. And that ends up being right. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So. That's kind of the saga of Tommy and Miss Lucy. Should we talk about Ruth now? Unless I'm missing something. Um, no, I just wanted to mention maybe like a couple scenes from the movie. We haven't talked about the movie a lot. That's true. Because the movie is basically the same mm-hmm. as the book. Like it's not that different at all. Well, there's some relationship aspects that are different. Yeah. That I'd like to touch on. But I mean, for the most part, 
the beats are the same mm-hmm. throughout and like the kind of the movie actually starts off with a opening title sequence explaining that science peaked in like the 50s yeah and that there all, was like a medical breakthrough yeah medical breakthrough and that all cures diseases all diseases have been like cured or something like that yeah and so we get kind of this probably just to explain why it feels like the 60s yeah but is <laughs> like weird yeah <laughs> like yeah. what what's the time period it, it is confusing in the time aspect so i'm sure that was probably added in later like mm-hmm. eh, people might not get this so let's throw this in there is a fun scene in the movie where the students are like in this classroom and they're doing role playing Oh, yeah, I did like this scene. Yeah, and I, you find out, like, you piece together that they're basically trying to train them how to exist in the real world. Because mm-hmm. they're growing up in this bubble on this campus with other students. So they're basically like, okay, in the outside world, you would go to a coffee shop and you would order what? <laughs> <laughs> Tommy's like, uh... Tea? <laughs> yeah i did like that scene because it, it kind of further hints at like the strangeness of what's going on it's not just a normal school yeah even though the art thing is weird they're trying to like teach them to be normal quote yeah unquote. how to blend in yeah. essentially mm-hmm. yeah I, I did like that scene i'm glad you remembered it yeah um buh, 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 buh. now now ruth maybe yeah okay so ruth is kath's best friend and for some reason yeah. <laughs> that's the best way to put it because ruth is kind of the worst, re- the worst. <laughs> john ralphio yeah she's just really obnoxious yeah. and very controlling of everyone very bossy very bossy very kind of mean mm-hmm. and you i'm sure you get this like there's the sense that she has people's backs mm-hmm. but what we see and witness is her just kind of being manipulative and mean and rude. Yeah. And very concerned about what others think of her and just not a lot of good characteristics. You know, I knew she was trash from the beginning when Kathy talked about how they became friends and the Ruth, horses, the horses. <laughs> <laughs> There's this scene where Kathy talks about Ruth is playing that she has an imaginary horse yeah. And Kathy comes over and Ruth is basically like, um, do you want to ride my horses? You can't have my horse. You can ride Bramble. And they have this whole like elaborate fantasy make believe scenario where they're riding different horses. But Ruth is just telling her all this shit about the horses. And I'm like, oh, no, you're riding that one wrong. And all yeah. of this. And this just reminded me of this one friend that I had when I was like <laughs> four years old or five. And her name was Melanie, and that was when I lived in Texas. And every time that we played, she would always make me be the boy in whatever scenario that we played. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know, always wanted, like, the best toys and was just very bossy, and mm. I did not like it. Yeah. I <laughs> I also was reminiscing a lot reading this book, just, like, thinking back to my childhood growing up. And yeah. I do think the book is very good at digging in your own subconscious for you know nuggets of oh yeah memory and mm-hmm. that's probably also why it took me a while to read because i would just like start gazing <laughs> off into the distance thinking back to like my friends and yeah. like recess and like all these other things so mm-hmm. uh yeah and also even though it's accurate kind of in a lot of ways to being a kid it's also about as interesting as hearing someone reminisce about 
childhood games they played. Yeah. Like imagine someone just being like, oh my God. And then we played horses <laughs> and I got to ride Bramble because that was like her least favorite. She <laughs> insisted that she ride her like own special horse. And yeah. you know, after I rode all the other ones, then she let me like ride it back to the stable, but I couldn't use the crop on her. Like is <laughs> that is it. Yeah. <laughs> and for one kind of part, that would be tolerable. Yeah. But there's just like a lot to this book, especially at the beginning. Yeah. There's a lot in this childhood part. Yeah. Which is, uh, it does get a little tedious. And what keeps happening, <laughs> and this keeps happening in the book, is Kathy will be like, older Kathy will be like, oh, that time that we went to, we went on the fields, the time we were in the fields. And when we were in the fields, like we were near this tree. And oh, the thing about the tree is that so she would be like thinking about something. And yes, it is like memory. It yeah. is like memory where you're thinking about something and then that kind of leads you to something else. And then you kind of like get back to what you were thinking about originally. And it's, it is an interesting device. Yeah. But this happened so much. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's the exact opposite of how you should tell a story. Yeah. Which is what a novel is. It's someone telling you a story. Yeah. And for someone to constantly going on all of these asides and tangents. And I get it. It is building the world. It is giving you a deeper understanding of things, but it also just gets to be like, and then you go back to the main thing and you're like, Jesus Christ, we haven't even talked about that main thing. The, I forget. Like there were just so many, like, oh, the time in the soccer field. Yeah. Let me tell you about. But the thing about the soccer field is, you know, we weren't allowed there after hours. But yeah. sometimes we would sneak away. But anyway, <laughs> in the soccer. Oh, also Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> like, just and then finally you're at the soccer field and the thing that happened there wasn't that interesting. Yeah. Well, and for me, just logistically, like when I take notes, oh, yeah. I like write down what's <laughs> happening. And so Kathy is like. Oh, like I'm remembering that one exchange that we went to. And I'm like, cool, exchange. Awesome. Write that down. And then she starts talking about like being in a classroom with someone else and something different happening. And I'm like, okay, write this down. Something different is happening. And then she gets back to the exchange and I start writing about that again. Mm -hmm. And I have to like draw arrows in my notes because yeah. nothing is linear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that's frustrating. I don't take many notes when I'm reading, but yeah. that would be annoying. Uh, we do get one instance of Kath or not, I'm sorry, not Kath, Ruth not being the worst. Yeah. It's an incident where in the book, um, Kath has a tape. She bought it at one of the sales. Yeah. And it has a song on it that she loves called Never Let Me Go. Mm -hmm. uh, and the lyrics are basically just that baby, 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 never let me go. Yeah. And she really loves it and has kind of this like personal connection to it and interpretation of the song. And she listens to it a lot. Mm -hmm. And the tape disappears one day. Yeah. And she finds out later that like Ruth really, really tried to find out where it went. Yeah. And then when she couldn't, she ended up buying her like another tape, mm -hmm. which at first was disappointing because it's not the same one. Yeah. For Kath. But then she just realizes that it was like a very nice gesture for Ruth to do. Yeah. And for her to kind of like take like that mission. Like she knew mission. how much it meant to her. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a good side of Ruth that we got to see in the book. Um, But that was about the That's only. pretty much it. The only um, unproblematic like encounter where she, there wasn't some kind of layered goodness yeah. underneath all the shit. It was just like a good moment. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, the movie kind of has like an interesting pared down story relating to their childhood where essentially 
Kath befriends Tommy. Yeah. And they kind of grow closer. And clearly something's developing between them. Yeah. Where Kath really likes him. And it's actually um, Tommy who gets her the tape. Yeah. She doesn't find it at sale. Tommy gets the tape for her. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a romance is developing between them, even though they're very young. Yeah. And then one day, Kath just sees Ruth sitting with Tommy and Ruth kisses him. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Womp, womp. Womp, womp. And the context is very clear of like, she kind of swooped in. Yeah. Um, Probably I mean, knew that Kathy kind of yeah, liked him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they and they date basically from there on mm-hmm. in the movie until they leave Hailsham. Yeah. In the book, Ruth and Tommy also start dating. But they never explain why. No. I'm like, why did they start dating? They're very different people. They are. And, and like, that's really significant to know like how did that happen yeah so i was very annoyed about that with the book i'm like you give us so many details about this random thing and then like no details about how ruth and tommy got together yeah wouldn't you be like wouldn't that be like really significant like first seeing them kind of flirting maybe or and how kath felt about it yeah or how you heard about it like so many things like that i think would be much more prominent than the time they played a prank on the madam. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like in um, the book, Kath talks about like them being together. And then at one point they break up and she's like, I felt confused because like some people were saying that like Tommy and I should get together now that they were broken up. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? I don't know what you mean. Yeah. And so like kind of denying her feelings for him. Her relationship with Tommy's much more, ambiguous muddied and complicated in the book yeah which i don't know if it works super well because later on it's like thinking back it's implied that like they've always been meant to be together yeah like like, "Ah." were they though (laughs) 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 they didn't seem like they really tried no um yeah so eventually they leave right yeah they leave hailsham and then they go to the cottages the cottages. Which in this world, I guess, is kind of like college. Yeah, that's how I took it. <laughs> they leave and they move into like these farm buildings. Yeah. It's like an emptied out farm where people who have left Hailsham or other schools, locations, yes, yeah, schools, whatever you want to call them, yeah. also go there. And they just kind of live and they do nothing. And they just kind of hang out. Yes. And this is where the story lost me. Yes. And this is where I think we should really talk about this world. I'm like fanning my arms. (laughs) Yeah. This world. Okay. First of all, I want to know, how do they have money? Are are they given an allowance? I don't know. I don't know. Because they like... Now when that they live in the cottages. I, like, I hadn't even thought about that, Adina. That is like so far down really? the list of my like concerns <laughs> with everything in this world. <laughs> Cause like now that they live in the cottages, they can like go wherever they want, basically. They can leave. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but they're clones and everyone's okay with them just going wherever they want. Yeah, they're not fenced in or penned in. They can yeah. just, some of them drive. They take a trip later to like a local town. Yeah. On a mission. And yeah, so, okay. So <laughs> like, I just, where do you start? It's very hard to know 
where to start. So first of all, I think the first big question yeah. is why don't they just leave? Yeah. If, if like someone told you, hey, in 10 years, we're going to take all of your organs out of your body. Yeah. You'd be like, mm, you know what? I think I'll just <laughs> go. Yeah. Because there's nothing. I have my driver's me. license. Yeah. <laughs> and so the question then for me was like, well, they're probably like brainwashed, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. They've absolutely gr- they've grown up in this one location. They've been told this their whole lives. Like, hey, when you grow up, you're going to become a donor and you're going to give your organs and that's your life and that's set for you. And yeah. it's like, OK. And if you grow up thinking that, that makes sense. Yeah. But if you're brainwashing people, why would you just let them go into the world? Yeah. Why would you let them see, hey, this is what your life would be? Look at all these normal people that don't have to give up their vital organs. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, so that seems very strange that and their ideal their ideas about this, about leaving and stuff are never really questioned. Yeah. When they're out in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, no one's ever like, oh, huh, that must be pretty nice. Wow. Like an old person. I'll never be old. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'll never get to do this. And I don't know. It's just, it's so wild. And it seems like there should be also like, I don't think people. So say this was like the system. Yeah. And I'm a normal person Mm -hmm. that will someday harvest someone else's organs so I can live. With your bare hands. Yeah. (laughs) Pluck it out of their Uh body. Uh, I would not like to see them walking around to remind me of the piece of shit person that I am for stealing their organs. Well, yeah. And that's like historically backed up. Anytime we do something terrible to a mass of people, we always like seclude them. Yeah. I mean, think about like immigrants who we like imprison on U.S. soil. It's always like in the middle of nowhere. Yep. It's not like and and, like cameras aren't allowed there. Yeah. You think about like in the Holocaust and the ghettos. Yeah. Concentration camps. Um, you think about the internment camps here in America during World War II. You think about slavery. Yeah. You know, when they were like, slaves were kept hidden away and nobody wanted to talk about They didn't slavery. live in the main house. No. Yeah. yeah. They didn't just like pass them on the street and serve them coffee and be like, okay, later, I'm gonna like make you pick all this cotton and like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, go get a coffee, but you better be back here to pick the cotton. <laughs> yeah. Like. The, the system just does not seem to makes sense to me no. in any way that makes sense <laughs> and this kind of so I, I i watched some interviews with the author mm-hmm. and it kind of really makes sense why the book ended up this way because he started writing from what i understand uh like this vague story mm. about students and i think it actually i think he actually started writing from like the cottages time okay. period yeah but also probably some Hailsham stuff, too. And, like, they had some schoolwork. Like, they have that essay at the cottages. Yeah. But they don't really have to do it. And there's no teachers. And they just kind of mill around and, like, their relationships. And they can kind of drive around. And he's and it was, like, this whole kind of, like, vague idea. But he never really had a, a reason or a logic or a world. And then one day he was hearing, like, on the radio or something like this debate about... Uh, biotechnology yeah. and like the advancement of, of medicine and the 
arguments against it and like the, the mor- ethical yes the yeah. morality and the ethics of it mm-hmm. and that was like oh this is the missing piece like that's what this story is yeah they're all clones and they're being kept for their organs to be harvested later mm-hmm. but just that piece doesn't fit in my mind it's so i'd like to compare this mm-hmm. actually to another kind of like sci-fi-ish book that we read for the podcast, which is The Time Traveler's Wife. Mm. Um, Because in The Time Traveler's Wife, it's very much a story about relationships. Yeah. And people. And, you know, how, like, very sad also, like this book. And kind of about the tragedy of life and, like, the good things and the bad and the relationships you have and kind of the inevitability of death also. Um, and it has this sci-fi element to it where the main character can time travel, but he can't control it. And the author is like, okay, and now I'm going to explore everything that could possibly go wrong or happen. Yes. And like all the crazy things that could be in this story because of this one tiny like dystopian thing. Where, whereas in this book, I feel like it's trying to do the same thing, except it's like, we're not going to like talk about anything related to this sci-fi concept. No. Like we're going to have this concept that there's like cloning now and people use clones for organs and it's going to be about the clones like and their relationships with each other. But I am not going to explore how this society works, Mm-mm. how the clones grow up, what their perception of their world is, how other people react to them, nothing. No. And yeah, it's like he talked about that idea being the missing piece, yeah. but it was just a plot device to him. Yeah. To, it kind of like an excuse to have this world, mm-hmm. but it seemed like he never wanted to write a sci-fi novel. No. Which is frustrating because this is an interesting idea. It is. And I think he could have written about what he wanted to write about while still exploring this world Definitely. more. Definitely. You know, one thing he said when writing this was, you know, a question. He's like, a question I get a lot is why don't they just leave? And he said... I didn't want to write a story about slaves who were like the brave ones who tried to leave. Hmm. He's like, like a lot of people who are imprisoned or enslaved oftentimes give in to their surroundings, which is a lot of times understandable. Yeah. And they don't plan on like escaping them, which I think is interesting. It is. But the problem is that idea of them staying is never once challenged. No. No one ever asks them. Like, it'd be interesting if they're out in the real world and someone finds out their clones and where they're staying. It's like. Why don't you just leave? Like, what's stopping you? Yeah. And then... And then for them kind of think about that and then ultimately reject it. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Like, I want to see them reject that concept, but I want to see it brought up. And I think that would be so much more interesting for that to be explored more in this world. Yeah. And yes... He didn't want to write, or write about the brave ones, but like, are there brave ones in this yeah. world? Like they never even mention the possibility or talk about other people who might have made a different choice. Mm-hmm. And part of me is also like it had the same reaction as in The Time Traveler's Wife when there's this inevitability of your life. Like, <laughs> wouldn't you want to just like go on a murdering spree? Like... <laughs> <laughs> like you want my organs now like <laughs> i'm i'm very afraid of you ever getting stuck in like an existential like crisis what if like one of the clones just poisoned like their whole school yeah like all of them including I, themselves mm-hmm. you know what i mean just was basically like you want my organs come fucking get them 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah, I agree. Like, I think, or one idea I had was like, what if children from the school yeah. would disappear? Because I imagine children in this world also need organs. Yeah. And of course, like, I think like you children sized organs. Like, yeah, like whatever age you are, like you need those sized organs. Yeah. So it would make sense that maybe like kids would get pulled from the school from Hailsham. Mysterious disappearances. Yeah. And yeah. like not explained. And like that would give an air of creepiness and it would like be further exploring this idea a little bit more. But yeah, sci-fi is just it's such a good genre. It is. For exploring the existential questions. Of now. Of yeah. now. And this book does a lot of that. Like, uh, what does our time on Earth mean? Yeah. You know, what how we use that is that significant even if it's short Mm -hmm. there's so many good questions like that posed that i think could have really been explored in this concept better yeah and like what it means to be human as well but i i just wanted so much more out of this yeah and this is ultimately my the biggest hang-up i have with this story yeah because we just kept having so many questions about this world that just were never even remotely answered or even hinted at yeah and it just feels very i don't know i don't want to say lazy i want to say lazy (laughs) i'll go as far to say as lazy i just want to say not delved deeply enough yeah i think there's other examples we'll talk about in a bit that i think are also lazy Mm -hmm. um but yeah this is this is one of them it just doesn't seem to make sense and it makes sense with how he thought of it like oh, this one idea of this dystopian world is my excuse for. And he said he didn't want to write like a story that's like in the future. Like, what do cars look like? What what is this? Which is why he kind of said it in the past. And I'm like, okay, so the time period doesn't really mean anything. It's like an alternate past. Yeah, but still the time period you'd think like, is this does this relate to the 70s at all or something that was going on then? Is this a bigger? No, it doesn't tie into like current events of the time. No, it doesn't seem to in any way as far as I can tell. No. So, yeah, (laughs) that was our big breakdown. Yeah. Uh, There's probably so much more we could talk about relating to this, but yeah, that's kind of that's the bulk of it. That's the gist. Mm hmm. Uh. Sort of related, but not at all. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) How do we segue out Uh, of this? Kathy's hair is real bad right now. (laughs) (laughs) Is it as bad as Julie and Julia and Julie? Julie and Julia? Julie and Julia. I forget the order. (laughs) No. Okay. It's not as bad. We just watched that recently. Yeah. Her hair is bad on that one, too. But Kathy's hair during this time at the cottages is like... A growing out layered semi mullet like it looks like she cuts it herself. That's true. And they're, they all look very raggedy. Yeah. In the cottages. I'm like, are they bathing and showering? Like, how do they grow? Do they cut each other own each other's hair? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> like, what's going on? Do they not have mon- enough money for haircuts? I don't know. How much money do they have? Kathy's hair is really bad. I'm just saying. Also, they gave <laughs> Kira Knightley bangs. Yeah. And they are not great. I mean, she looks good kind of like no matter what. Well, yeah, I I read that (laughs) they really had a hard time making Kira Knightley look like bland. (laughs) Like, I think that was their attempt to make her look bland. And of course, it just (laughs) didn't work. No. Uh, Andrew Garfield, who's also in it. And this was like his first big movie. Yeah, which is so weird. It is. Uh, He's always got a sweater 
on that it looks like two people pulled on the <laughs> neck hole like as hard as they could until it was stretched out. He looks very skinny. He does. I'm like, are we supposed to think that he's dying already? Like, <laughs> I think it was one of those things where he was supposed to look young. Yeah. But then later he's supposed to look sickly. So they just <laughs> took all of his hair off. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, all the performances are pretty good. They are. They're pretty the solid. The actors are awesome. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the way the movie's shot is very pretty yeah and pretty and pretty well done also mm-hmm. um which makes sense because the director when i looked him up um he had done one other movie i can't remember but he's mostly done music videos oh wow music videos music related stuff he worked on like uh lemonade wow and like uh, johnny cash is hurt and just like a million music videos he's mm-hmm. worked on so i think he's got the aesthetics down really well and there are some really beautiful well shot scenes i feel like this movie does have a mood to it it. does it has a mood it does feel like your memories in a way yeah which i think is effective Mm -hmm. um also the the wrist bands are still around yeah they're still clocking in at the cottages yeah (laughs) clocking in clocking in (laughs) punching in to another day of doing i'm on the clock (laughs) yeah and this was another thing like they don't do anything at the cottages. No. And it's also not clear how long they can stay at the cottages. Mm-mm. Because um, you can become a carer and start your carer training at any time. Yeah. Um, But you don't have to. And they are doing like essays, but they're also kind of just sitting around this farmhouse and like reading and hanging out. And like they bang. But in the book, it's described as like, they have sex just kind of like because they're cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, I was really annoyed. This was another thing where she described like, oh, in school, everyone gossiped about who was sleeping with who. Yeah. But at the cottages, like no one really talked about that. Like it was more sophisticated. I'm like, fucking bullshit. Yeah. Everyone cares when people are banging like yeah. all your life. Especially that's- if you're living like in a small group of people. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this person and this person bang- banged last night. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who's banging who is always a topic of discussion. Always. No always. matter your age. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever weird past dystopian you're living in. <laughs> always up for discussion yeah kathy is has banged a few people just casually but ruth and tommy are still together Mm -hmm. and we get to see them doing it in the movie yeah i don't know why yeah i don't either maybe like just for the appeal of like hey there's a kira knightley sex scene in this movie yeah probably she's she's fucking a very uncomfortable andrew garfield (laughs) (laughs) who just lies there like a board (laughs) <laughs> uh, should we talk about the trip briefly? Yeah. Basically, only like one important thing happens at the cottages. And it's this trip to Norfolk. Norfolk? Norfolk. Yeah, I think. Um, And they go because this other older couple at the cottages, Chrissy and Rodney. Rodney played by uh, uh, Donald Gleason. Donald Gleason. Thank you. A.K.A. Uh, Bill Weasley. Bill Weasley. <laughs> um, he has seen someone in this town that looks like Ruth's possible. Mm-hmm. And a possible is the person you possibly might be cloned from. Yeah. So it's like an older version of you. Mm-hmm. And Ruth kind of plays it off like, oh, let's just go. It'll be fun. But she's really like intent on it. Yeah. And they get there and they look at her and they're like, eh, it's not, really it's her. not, it's not her. Yeah. 
And Ruth kind of has this whole spiel, this whole speech where she says, like, we're not cloned from people who are living good lives. Because this woman lived, worked in, like, an office. Yeah. She's like, we're cloned from drug addicts and prostitutes and people who, which, once again, a big question. Yeah. Where do they get them? Do they, like, arrest them and then take their, like, DNA and then just yeah. clone them against or, their or will? Yeah, or do you sell DNA? Hey, yeah, can you, like, make money that way? Yeah, like you would donate plasma your, yeah. or something I, I don't know she's just like we come from filth and garbage I'm like why yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i don't get it yeah and this seems to be kind of like an identity issue for them yeah like ruth this obviously bothers ruth and then kathy has this whole arc where she is looking for herself in porno mags yeah porno mag it's just a funny thing to say <laughs> in a porn magazine um, because she feels like she's dysfunctional in a sexual way because she likes to have sex. Yeah. And so she thinks that maybe she was based on a prostitute. Mm hmm. I'm like, that is sad. Yeah. Because <laughs> Tommy catches her just flipping through the pages really quickly. Yeah. He's like, you know, that's not how you do it. Right. <laughs> it, it was a pretty funny scene. Yeah. So that's why she thinks she's based on someone mm -hmm. uh, out of that. We should talk about the theory of the gallery. Oh yeah. Cause this actually came up back at Hailsham, mm -hmm. but it kind of is brought up again. Uh, well, no, was it brought up in Hailsham? No, it wasn't. So. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm confused. Rodney um, and Chrissy bring this up. Yes. And they don't connect it to the gallery, but they ask Ruth, Tommy, and Kathy. They're like, we've heard rumors that possibly students from Hailsham or students like in general from everywhere, they can apply to someone to get a deferment. Mm -hmm. And a deferment means that for like three or four years, you don't have to donate your vital organs. Yeah. And you can only get this deferment if it's a couple and you prove that you're in love. And they'll like give you a little bit more time to be together, basically. Yeah. And Kathy has never heard of this before. No, none of the Hailsham kids have. No, but Ruth, <laughs> in classic Ruth fashion, um, in the book anyway, she just wants to seem cool. Mm -hmm. So she's sort of like, oh yeah, you know, I have heard of that, but I'm not sure. And kind of acts like she knows. Ugh. And She's so annoying. Kathy's like, no, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, it's Tommy that's like, yeah, I've never, I've never fucking heard of that in my life. Yeah. So, but this does bring up the rumor for the first time that there's such a thing as a deferment. Yeah. Uh, also, real quick sidebar. I, I really like the scene in the movie when they first arrive at this diner in this town and the woman oh, comes yeah. up and asks what they want uh, to, to order. eat. Or, yeah. And the three of them, uh, Kath, Ruth and Tommy are just like paralyzed with like fear yeah. like they don't know what to do yeah and it's funny because like oh yeah this is their first time in the real world mm -hmm. so i appreciated that we got a scene like that which we never really got in the book no in the book it's like yeah then we went to a town and it was you know we just walked around yeah i'm yeah. like this is the first time you've ever been anywhere yeah like shouldn't you be more curious i was wanting them to be more curious about the normal people too yeah and being like Ooh, look at them like walking so normal. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess they've ex they've grown up with like movies and magazines. And so, they, yeah, they kind of know what to expect. But also, like, this is the first time they've been there. So mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> but 
Yeah, so I just appreciated that scene in the movie kind of filling in that gap a little bit. Yeah, I like that that too, and it was sort of a callback to that role-playing scene where they had to order Yeah, like the coffee and tea. Although I was mad <laughs> that Tommy didn't order a coffee I know. with enthusiasm like he like did. Like he practiced. That would have been a really funny callback. It would. If he had been like, oh, the coffee. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I should have wrote this is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, so they have this trip. And in the book, there's kind of a moment where, because in the in the book, Kath lost her tape that she loved. Yeah. And in this town, her and Tommy kind of have this side mission. Side quest. Side quest. <laughs> where they try to find it. And they actually do. They find a, the same copy of the tape. Yeah. Not the same copy, but a copy of that cassette that she lost. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this really good memory for her of being with Tommy. And now there's like this correlation with Tommy and the tape. Yeah. So... That's important. Mm-hmm. And then they go back and then. Uh, and then Ruth is like, I'm going to fuck all this up. <laughs> yeah. But the gallery theory. Mm-hmm. So Tommy and Kath have a discussion where Tommy's theory is that the gallery that they had at Hailsham that yeah. they submitted art to. He thinks that they submitted art to show their soul so that. If at any point two people came together and were like, hey, we want to deferral because we're in love. Yeah. They'd be able to look at their artwork like it's an x-ray or something <laughs> and be like, yep, you're in love. Yep. You're definitely in love based on your picture of a rainbow when you, you were three. <laughs> <laughs> and this weird, I don't know, is it Abstract. a snowman? <laughs> anyway, you're in love. <laughs> Because it's the future and we can tell that because of drawings. Oh, my God. As soon as he said that, I was like, this is not true. This no. is like bullshit. Any. <laughs> it annoyed me that this was ever considered to be a possible explanation. Yeah. I'm like, it was it, so obviously not true. And not to mention, why would deferrals even exist for anyone? Because like. Why do they give a fuck about you? Yeah. They're going to harvest your organs. They don't care if you're in love. Yeah. They want, they want them organs. <laughs> Give me them organs. Like, I don't know, the idea that they would, and I mean, I guess they're stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? They're kind of like ignorant of a lot of things. So maybe they, that's why they're caught up in this idea. But I don't know, this whole idea just seemed so far-fetched. Yeah. That it bothered me that it was ever taken seriously, let alone as far as it is taken in the book. Yeah. And Tommy is like, I never got anything in the gallery because I gave up my, all my art. Cause Miss told Miss Lucy told me to. So now <laughs> I'm bitch. making, I'm making new art so that in case I ever need a deferment, I can like prove it. And there are these quirky in the book. There are these like quirky, tiny little made up animals. Yeah. Which end up being kind of cool and interesting. And Kath likes them. And, uh, in the movie, he's just drawing these, like, really beautiful, interesting, I don't know, elaborate animal kind of drawing things. Yeah. They're not small, but they're cool. Mm-hmm. And then Ruth is like, it seems like you guys are hanging out and without me, so I'm going to, like, screw up everything. Yeah. And basically kind of plots this plot, and this happens in the book anyway, kind of gets Kath to laugh with her about Tommy's drawings and kind of make fun of them, just the two of them, and then confronts Tommy about it in front of Kath and is like, oh, Kathy thinks they're dumb. Don't you, Kathy? Like you were telling me earlier. And this kind of like screws things up between them. In the movie, 
Ruth just straight up comes up to Kath and is like, you know, Tommy doesn't like you that way and he never will. He kind of thinks like you're dumb. Yeah. (laughs) Kath just, or I'm sorry, Ruth just looks like crazy. Like at one point, Kira Knightley is just silhouetted in the doorway. And it's just like, hey. And then she like comes up to Kath and is like, you'll never love you. And then she like kisses her on the cheek. Yeah. I'm like, what is wrong with you right now? And then like backs away. Yeah. But anyway... Kathy is like, I'm not going to try to fix this in any way. And so is like, I'm just going to become a Karen now and like leave this whole situation. Yeah. (laughs) Can I just say that at the cottages, there's this guy who just I imagine this filch. Yeah. Harry Potter. That's who I imagine him as. Grumpy. Keffers. Keffers. Yeah. Is his name in the and never let me go. He's just this like grumpy curmudgeon groundskeeper. Yeah. But he's also like. When their point person, yeah, when Kath decides to become a carer, she goes up to him and he's like, Oh, yeah, man. We'll let me get, get the, the paperwork. Me, we'll get the paperwork. I'm like, He's the person, <laughs> he's like, He's in charge, he's like the groundskeeper, he's like the maintenance guy. It'd be like going to any business and going to the janitor and being like, Hey, can I apply here? Yeah, what <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> it's just another random, weird, I don't know, unthought out part of this world, yeah. Then we kind of fast forward like 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. And Kathy has been a carer for this whole time. Yeah. And she hasn't seen Ruth and Tommy in those 10 years at all. No. And then basically she gets reconnected with Ruth because Ruth needs a carer because she's been donating and she's very sick because uh, people have actually been removing organs that she needs to live. Here's the thing, okay? <laughs> Remember when I said that this book was kind of lazy? Yeah. This is one thing I'm talking about. Just this vague idea of organ donations. Yeah. And they specifically say vital organs. Yes. In in both, I think, book Which and movie. Vital. You need you them. You need them. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Like, there are a couple things that you can probably take and be okay. Yeah. Like, part of your liver, like, your, part of it. One kidney. One kidney. Mm-hmm. But if you're taking other things, like, it's always just described and shown in the book and movie that they're just, like, weak and yeah. they have scars. But it's more specific than that. Like, I had my large intestines removed, me personally. Yeah. And I had to have a colostomy bag for two years, mm-hmm. which is terrible, but that's a side effect. Yeah. If you have your kidneys removed... You have to be on dialysis. Yeah. Like, if they don't talk about anything. No, like if that. there's yeah. like actual real things like that being removed, then there's going to be physical medical consequences. Yes, specific medical consequences. But instead, we're just given these vague ideas of air quotes donations. Well, and like, is there a procedure? Like, do you donate your kidney first and then like, your gallbladder and then like a lung, like how does it, you know, yeah. how does it work so that you don't die immediately? They don't just like take your heart out, like on the first donation, no. you know, but also why not? Yeah. Why I, not? I, this idea of like, Oh, the first donation, then the second donation, then the third, why are they dragging this out? Why are they having multiple procedures? Why don't they just wait until they're a certain age and then just take everything. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when someone dies and they're an organ donor. It's yeah. like, what can we get? Like, what do we need? Let's take it all. And I personally don't, like, know the details of, like, how they decide on what and yeah. all that stuff. I mean, but, I mean. I mean, if they have the technology to have clones, I think they have the technology to, like, preserve these organs until they are needed. It's called a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> you just put it in a fridge. Yeah. So this was another thing. 
it's just like I think the author just wanted this like vague, slow deterioration that represents just getting older. Yeah. But it just feels lazy. It just like And it also doesn't make sense why this system would like keep wanting to like help these people recover when they're just gonna take more of their organs. Yeah. What what is the purpose? And like setting and scheduling like multiple procedures, like that's way more money and like effort. Yeah. Also, the carers. Kath becomes a carer, which means that in some vague, unexplained way, (laughs) she takes care of these people between donations. Yeah. And this brings up a couple points. First of all, she's still going to be a donor in the future. Yeah. It seems to me you wouldn't want someone to see what's going to happen to you. Yeah. Before it happens to you. Yeah. Like, to me... That would make like that would fuck you up. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is going to be you in a year. If you're not already inclined to try to run away or leave. Yeah. Wouldn't all the carers who can drive be like, yeah, (laughs) maybe I should just get the fuck out. And at this point in the movie, we still see her wristband that she beeps in and out of random places. But like she still gets to drive around. What is the wristband thing? What? Yeah. We're. I don't get any of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then it also seems like because she's a good carer that they haven't taken her organs quite yet. Yeah. Because she's like been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. So I'm like, why like people who want a deferral, wouldn't you want to be a carer and be a good carer? Yeah. Because then you wouldn't like Have that. To, yeah. That seems like a viable option for delaying the inevitable. But Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> She reunites with Ruth (laughs) and Tommy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Ruth is like very weak. She's had two donations and is just like not doing very well. And Ruth is basically like, we should go and see Tommy. Like we haven't, you know, all hung out together in so long. Like we should do this. So they kind of arrange this meeting for the three of them. And uh, Kathy picks them both up. And they both have donated so far already. Yeah. Um, but obviously Ruth is kind of like more weak and has not been doing well with having her vital organs removed. Uh, <laughs> so they go on this trip. She's like, I'm suffering from lack of having uh, a heart right now. <laughs> it's making me a little short of breath. <laughs> they go to this like shipwrecked beached boat. Yeah. That's just like kind of around. And it's nice. everyone really wants to go to this boat for some reason i don't know it's like it's like a metaphor i get it but still (laughs) i don't know yeah and on this trip ruth takes this opportunity to be like listen i'm really sorry for everything that happened like i kind of kept i kind of broke us apart and then she says i'm sorry for keeping the two of you apart Mm -hmm. like i knew the two of you were meant to be but i didn't want to be alone So I was with Tommy, even though I didn't really like him that much. I'm like, wow. (laughs) But also she's taking the blame. But like, it's also Tommy's fault. Yeah. Like, like, you didn't have to to be with her. He could have broken up with her at any time. Ruth is like, I've kept you apart. And like, I get it. Ruth kind of lied to both of them, I think, about certain things. But still, like, she wasn't physically restraining them from being apart. So it it felt, you know, unnecessary for her to apologize for everything. But yeah, exactly. And like Tommy could have reached out to Kathy and Kathy could have reached out to Tommy after Ruth and Tommy broke up, like after the cottages and stuff. Um, But then she's like, I want the two of you to be together. And I found Madame's address. 
mm-hmm. you should apply for a deferment. Yeah. Because you both are in love. And Kathy and Tommy are like, what? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So uh, they have the address and then Ruth has her final donation. Right. Later. And she completes. She completes. <laughs> she kicks it. She, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if that's like what really prompts them to actually take this thing seriously, but essentially Kath tracks down the address and finds out the, the madam is actually living there. Yeah. And so her and Tommy agree, let's go to her. Let's take our artwork, mm-hmm. all the artwork Tommy's been working on. Yeah. And ask for a deferral. Yeah. So that's what they do. They go to the madam. <laughs> the madam. <laughs> madam secretary. <laughs> uh, to her house. And she's weirdly like, this is okay. Come on in. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of this sad scene because you can read the writing on the wall. Before yeah. They can, obviously, that they're like pitching this idea about like, we want a deferral. And they have their artwork and everything. And they have Tommy's artwork to like show them. Yeah. It's sad. It is sad. Because <laughs> especially Tommy. He's such an idiot. <laughs> he is, but like he a lovable is one. a lovable idiot, but he is not smart. He's not. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like the whole time Kathy's always like, wait, Tommy, like, no, this isn't, this isn't like, shh. <laughs> shh, shh, don't say that, Tommy. <laughs> but um, Miss Emily is there, who is kind of like the headmistress of Hailsham when they were there. Yeah. Which is weird. Why was she there? I don't know. I guess she and Madame live together now. But then Miss Emily goes on this huge explanation that kind of explains Hailsham, what it was doing, how there are no deferrals. She takes a long time to just tell them there are no deferrals. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. She's like, let me tell you, like all other stories in this story, yeah. she's like, first of all, let me explain Hailsham <laughs> before I tell you there's no deferrals. Yeah. And basically, she's like, Hailsham was this idea that we could raise clones humanely and that clones were like, had souls and your art was a way to show that you were like people and that we shouldn't like put you in cages like animals. But I'm like, but if you were trying to show that they were human or like had souls, wouldn't that be trying to like overthrow the idea of clones? In the first, like, in the first place? Yeah. It's like... Their aims were not clear. They're the human version of free-range chickens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You just feel a basically. little less guilty killing them. Yeah. They're like, because they, like, could run around for a while. Yeah. And, like, Get eat, some fresh air. Get some grass. It was good for them. Yeah. But, and then kind of how Hailsham is closed now, because now people are like, yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. And in and, and the book, it's like partly related to some kind of incident that happened, blah, blah, blah. That's not really explained either. Yeah, <laughs> but like we're told that, you know, the population as a whole didn't really believe donors were people or had souls or yeah. whatever or clones didn't have souls. But like they've been out in the real world. Yeah. We've never gotten any kind of sense of this from people. No. Like nobody like treats them like they're different. No. And Kath has a job where she like communicates and works with like doctors and nurses and stuff. And yeah. Like, none of them are like, get out of here, clony. Yeah. Like scum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you rebel scum. <laughs> yeah, like suddenly we're being told how the world works in this ending part. But it still doesn't make sense. But we've never seen how it works. Yeah. We've only 
I don't know. It just seemed normal, but now we're being told, uh, it wasn't totally normal because you're a clone and people don't like you. Yeah. It's like, okay. (laughs) Also, there are no deferrals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So once again, just another like tidbit about and like and, and yeah, like you said, the art was a way to show they had sold. I thought my theory was that they sold the art mm. and they're like, hey, buy this art from sad dead children. <laughs> and that's how they funded the, the school. school. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been that's like so great. So sad I love and that. funny. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know, like art a lot of times, if it has like a certain connection, like no matter what the art is, yeah. people are going to buy it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, a Banksy can just be, like, a stencil spray paint. Yeah. People are going to pay, you know, millions because it's a Banksy. Yeah. Like, it doesn't sometimes matter. It's just it's the context. So that was my theory Mm -hmm. on what the gallery was, that they were profiting on children's artwork. (laughs) Much like they're profiting off children's organs. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah. So then they're just like, okay, well, bye. Uh, And they wanted a deferral because... Um, Tommy had done three donations already and he was soon to do his fourth. And we're kind of led to believe that your fourth is your last donation. Yeah. Most people don't live past that one. The fourth is the one where we take your lungs (laughs) and most people don't do very well after that. (laughs) Also, we take every, all of your limbs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what what are these donations i i still don't i don't know um but yeah so they're kind of like desperate at this point so it is it's very sad it is it is really sad like because they just want to be together and they're finally together and it took so long for them to be together and you know you think that if you knew that you were gonna have to donate your vital organs you'd be a little like quicker <laughs> to try to like find someone and be happy and like find some sort of happiness, but like Kath and Tommy didn't contact each other for 10 years. And then in the book, like after Ruth gives them Madame's address, like Kathy still doesn't contact Tommy for like another year. And I'm like, you are running out of time. Like if you want to get that D you got to get it right now (laughs) before he is too sick and too sad and too weak to get it up. Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) Or before he donates it. Where he donates his dick. (laughs) And yeah, and the whole referral thing goes back to, you know, yeah, they don't escape, but they also want to delay this process, which seems like a contradiction. Like, yeah, I I, I don't know what happens if you don't show up. Do the police come after you? What happens? Yeah. Anyway. uh, Anyway, Tommy is upset about this. There's this really sad scene in both the book and the movie Mm. where they're driving back from Madame's and. Tommy gets out of the car and just starts screaming. Uh, I know. It's really, it's really sad. And like, yeah. I'm like, finally, emotional. like a normal reaction. Yeah, like. <laughs> I know. Uh, and it's, it's sad, too, because it's definitely a callback to when he was younger. And had the tantrum. And this tantrum and like rage that he's like had, had suppressed for so long and yeah. like has been dealing with and he can't control it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't want people to think that because we have so many problems with like the world of this story and we're kind of laughing about it a lot. Yeah. That. By this point in the story, all the buildup of the backstory and the relationships, for me at this point, was paying off a lot more. Oh, yeah. Where I felt a lot more connected to the characters and felt very sad for them and... Yeah. Um, Wanting them to have these moments together and be together for a little longer. I was kind of annoyed, though, because, like, 
around this time, Tommy is like, I don't want you to be my carer anymore. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want you to see me like this, basically. And I'm like, but you have so little time left together. That's true. Like, but I also kind of get it. Like, it's like, listen, if the remainder of our time is just going to be me, like, miserable and in pain and, like, I don't want you to have to just, like, see that or remember me that way. Mm -hmm. I I do kind of get where Tommy was coming from a little bit. Yeah, but I just felt sad because if someone I loved was, I knew they were dying, like, I would want to be with them. That's true. Like, as long as I could. Um, And so... Kath kind of backs off from Tommy a bit because he asks her to. And then she kind of just like finds out later that he dies, which is yeah. so sad. Oh my God. But in the movie, in the movie, remember she's watching him. She's watching him in the <sighs> operating room. And he like smiles at her as they like knock him out for yeah. like, you know, with the drugs. And he's just like, his eyes kind of like flutter shut. And <sighs> oh, it's so sad. It's really sad. It's so sad. And then just at the end, it's Kathy being like, yeah, I'm going to start my donations like really soon. So mm-hmm. that's all I have left is my memories. Yeah. And she's just reminiscing and like wishing that everything would come back to her and Tommy. And mm-hmm. oh, boy, the the ending's just a real gut punch. Yeah. I just felt bad for them. I did, too. I just wanted them to like have more time together. And I think part of that is I do think the characters in this story Kath may be the least of all. They're really well-defined, though. Yeah. Like, I really felt like I knew who Tommy was. Mm-hmm. I really felt like I knew who Ruth was in all of her problematic ways. Yeah. Like, the characters felt very real and yeah. fleshed out in a lot of ways, which I think the author did very well. Yeah. And for, I think, a lot of people, like, this, we have to admit, this book, a lot of people love this book. Oh, yeah. It's very, very well-received, like, critically, and also it's very popular. Yeah. So I... We're clearly in the minority, I think. Yeah. On, I mean, maybe. I, I haven't explored that much. But so I think maybe for a lot of people, like those characters and... Are stronger than the weak points of the plot, maybe. Yeah. And maybe just we're more interested in kind of like the science fiction elements. Maybe other people just don't mm-hmm. care as much. Yeah. Which... You, you know, that's obviously whatever you're looking for. Yeah. If that's fulfilled, I get why you would like a story. Well, and we always say here on the podcast, too, like, this is just our take on this. Yeah. Like, obviously. <laughs> if you like a thing and it makes you happy or, like, really sad, but in, like, a good way. Yeah. <laughs> then by all means, like, I'm I'm glad you enjoy the thing. Yeah. And I enjoyed this book, too. Um, and it was very emotionally impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I did have some issues with the plot and the story. Yeah. And I mean, I got what the author was doing. I'm sorry. I'm not saying his name. I just don't want to attempt it and butcher it. <laughs> Kazuo Ishiguro. There you go. Kazuo Ishiguro. Mm-hmm. I, I got what he was doing with like this kind of inevitability of them dying. Like, yeah, the donations just kind of being like the end of your life. And there are interesting questions raised with, uh, you know, Miss Emily saying, Wait, yeah, Miss Emily mm-hmm. at the end telling them, like, we wanted to give you a good life, even though it was a short one. Yeah. And that kind of raises the question. It's like, well, you know. Is it better to have that short life, but make it, like, good? Or yeah. does that, like, take away the fact that you're being killed in the first place? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are good questions that are, like, for me, hinted at. Mm-hmm. I wish they were explored much better through, like, the world and other elements. But, um. There were good seeds 
and parts and aspects to this story, I thought for sure. Yeah. So now, which one is better? God, I have not thought about this. I always forget. <laughs> you know, I am really torn on this one because the book is very interesting, but I feel like the movie is basically the exact same mm-hmm. as the move as the book, but like shorter. <laughs> Yeah. And for me, shorter goes a long way. It does. Because <laughs> the beginning of this story is very plodding. Like, yeah. until they get to the cottages. It's not that interesting. No. Like, I mean, it does its job of establishing these relationships. So by the end, when they're all yeah. dying, you're like, wow, I've, like, been reading about them since they were kids. Yeah. And you feel impacted in that way. But, like... I still think it could have been made to be more interesting when they were kids. Yeah. I thought this could have been much more like I made a comparison like the Truman Show. Yeah. Where that's a movie where at the beginning, the setup is like Jim Carrey's mundane life. Mm -hmm. But the elements of like what's going on that's bigger than him are being hinted at. And like he's kind of becoming aware of them slowly. And even though he's still going through the steps of his like boring job in life and like Mm -hmm. everything, that larger plot that's unraveling is very interesting yeah and i think that could have been done better in the book yeah like more interesting hints you know if i didn't know about the donors and stuff like when i heard about donors i'm like i mean they're vital organs like that kind of thing and yeah that was right so yeah there wasn't much (laughs) there wasn't much of a mystery for me. no it wasn't so i think just that little bit could have made the beginning more interesting Mm -hmm. uh i can't i can't put this off anymore i'm trying to but you know i'm just gonna say the book i mean the book won a lot of awards (laughs) (laughs) that is true and uh it is like an interesting concept it is and the characters are very well done and it is a a moving and sad story and while the movie is shorter uh, I feel like it doesn't really do anything new or different no. enough to warrant it being like better than the book. No. Yeah, I agree. Like for the book, the highs, like the parts I liked and the lows, the parts I didn't were much more extreme. Yeah. Like the parts I was actually impacted by and enjoyed, I liked a lot more, but the mm-hmm. parts that frustrated me were much, much more intense. Yeah. Yeah. So it was more of a ride. But I guess I would take that over kind of more of the flat line I experienced with the movie. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, there's some sad parts and some touching parts and some parts that I wish were better. But like, it just is kind of there. Yeah. For the most part, like I'm not as genuinely interested in it. Mm -hmm. So I will also say book, I think. Cool. We're both book. Book. Lightning round. Lightning round. Okay, so first up for lightning round, I'm just going to bring up another question that I didn't get to talk about in a regular episode, which is so... First they're at Hailsham, then they go to the cottages, and then after that they can become a carer or not, and then at some point they start donating. But what happens between being at the cottages and becoming a donor? Is it just like, well, where do, I don't know where they live when they're a carer. Yeah. But maybe as soon as they start becoming a donor, they live at those facilities. They do, at the centers. Yeah. But- like, do they all become carers? Because in the book, it seemed like some people didn't become carers. But in the movie, it made it seem like everyone starts off as a carer. See, I thought the reverse. I thought in the book, everyone was a carer. Mm, maybe I'm confusing them. And in the movie, it seemed like she was volunteering to become a carer. Mm-hmm. That's I hate saying that word, carer. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's like, where do you live? 
what do you do in between? Like how old do you have to be for the donations to start? Like that wasn't clear. And then with Kathy, how she had been a donor, like, or I'm sorry, a carer for like 12 years. So she hadn't started her donations yet. And that was like odd. Mm -hmm. So I was just like confused about that. Yet yet another question. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of talk in this, uh, book and movie about like kind of sexual awakening and stuff yeah but unfortunately in the book by the time uh kath and tommy get to have sex it seems very disappointing (laughs) um we get so (laughs) uh that first time i'm reading from the book that first time we still had stitches to worry about and anyway after all the years of knowing each other and not having sex it was like we needed some intermediary stage before we could get into it in a full swing way. So after a while, I just did it for him with my hands and he just lay there, not making any attempt to feel me up in return, not even making any noises, but just looking peaceful. (laughs) That is the saddest hand job I've ever heard about. Yeah. And like later, uh, right from that first time, there was something in Tommy's manner that was tinged with sadness that seemed to say, Yes, we're doing this now, and I'm glad we're doing it now, but what a pity we left it so late. Jesus. It's so upsetting. I know. <laughs> and just like the sex, like later, they, he used the term, uh, later on, we'd have some sex. Some sex. Some sex. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and that term, like, get into the full swing of it or something. Like, yeah. he uses t- terms like that a couple times. Yeah. It was like... What? Is this what Kathy thinks about sex? Like, it's really weird. It is. It's so non-specific. Yeah. Other than the sad hand job. <laughs> a sad hand job. It's <laughs> not a Cards Against Humanity card. I think it is, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next for Lightning Round, the screenplay for this movie was actually written by Alex Garland, who, if you're not familiar, he wrote and directed uh, the movie Ex Machina, mm-hmm. which is really great, and also directed... Uh, Annihilation, which we did an episode on. Yes. Uh, Yeah, he's a fantastic director and writer, especially Mm -hmm. in the sci-fi realm. Yeah. So it does kind of make sense he would have adapted this. Yeah. Um, But kind of interesting, too, because it does feel very... Different for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because his other stuff is much more hardcore science fiction. Yeah. Especially Annihilation. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, we when he his name popped up on the credits, we were both like, "Oh!" But Donald Gleason is in uh, Ex Machina. That's true. He is in he Ex Machina. From that? I don't know. Maybe interesting. Interesting theory. I like that. Uh, one other just little interesting thing was like, Kira Knightley did this movie because she was actually friends with uh, Carrie Mulligan, mm-hmm. who starred in it as uh, Kathy. As <laughs> Kathy, but she specifically stated that she wasn't that into the role because she couldn't relate to Ruth being involved in this love triangle. Yeah. Which I thought was very interesting that mm-hmm. she had that opinion of her own character. I, cause it didn't really make sense to me why Ruth wanted to be with Tommy when she didn't seem to care about him that much. I mean, she gives a line like, I just didn't want to be the only one alone. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense. Like she was just kind of like sadly, desperately holding on to anyone. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought that was interesting though, that she was kind of, blatant about that she was also like i don't understand this character at all (laughs) yeah also they gave me bangs (laughs) (laughs) so that's our lightning round that's lightning round we hope you you have enjoyed this episode yes thank you so much and thank you uh to michelle Mm -hmm. for suggesting it 
I hope <laughs> we didn't turn you off too much with our opinions on it. <laughs> uh, we're glad that you like it and that you liked the book at least. Mm-hmm. And um, this was a very interesting and unique book to do. Yeah. Yeah, so. I really I really enjoyed doing it and covering it and getting to discuss it for sure. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for suggesting it. And please don't hesitate to suggest any in the future. And that goes to our other listeners, whether yep. you're a patron or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we said, patrons get priority. <laughs> um, if you want to uh, tweet at us, we are at cover two credits with the number two mm-hmm. uh, email us at cover to credits pod gmail.com. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram and we're on Patreon where you can become a patron and support us. Um, we also post other stuff on there. Um, articles, things we're thinking about stuff relating to the books and movies we're discussing. So yeah, check us out. And if you feel like it, we would also appreciate uh, giving us a rating or a review on iTunes as well. Yes. Every review or simple star rating uh, helps us. So we appreciate anything you can offer for us. Yes. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next episode. See you next episode. Bye. Bye.